Hi, listeners of the Sweat Elite podcast. It's Matt here once again, recording this episode from the home of champions, which is the nickname for Iten in Kenya, the home and training base of many of Kenya's best distance runners, both past and present, and a very popular high-altitude training destination for athletes from all over the world, but especially from Europe, given it's in a similar time zone and not too far to travel to. But there's also been athletes here now and recently from countries like the U.S., Canada, South America, some countries in South America, uh, Japan, Australia, and New Zealand, and and more. Uh, it sits at about 2,300 to 2,400 meters elevation, uh, which is about 7,500, maybe a little bit more in feet, and it's an awesome place to uh, do a high-altitude training camp. It's tough, little hills everywhere, not too many flat sections, but um, obviously being able to join in with the Kenyan groups is a huge plus as well. But in this podcast episode, I interview German distance runner Philipp Flieger. Philip decided at the age of just eight years old, while he was watching the 1996 Olympic Games 10K final sprint finish between Paul Turgat and Haley Gebre Selassie, that he too one day wanted to run at the Olympic Games for Germany. Now, his parents laughed at him at the time, but he proved them wrong exactly 20 years later by towing the line at the 2016 Rio de Janeiro Olympic Games in the marathon for Germany. The time between setting that goal at the age of eight and actually qualifying and running at the Olympics at the age of 28, Philip overcame a number of serious setbacks, including not being able to run for the majority of his teenage years with some issues with his knees. He had a number of stress fractures and surgeries through his early to mid-20s. He almost threw the towel in in his mid-20s after a couple of surgeries set him back, and I don't think he was able to run for about a year, possibly even more. But he had one last shot and decided to step up to the marathon, and in his second attempt at the marathon, qualified for the Rio Olympic Games by clocking a 2.12.50 at the Berlin Marathon in 2015. In this podcast episode, Philip shares the entire story between uh, the age of eight in setting that goal and qualifying for the Olympics. We speak quite a bit about his training. We talk about why he comes to Kenya for altitude training, the pros and cons, and his goals moving forward. Philip recently released a book that has been a bestseller in Germany. The book is basically the story of his career. And of course, we go through all of that in this podcast episode. The episode was recorded with an audience. The Sweat Elite Kenya running experience, which was the fourth training camp that we've taken here in Kenya, were sitting in the audience and they do ask some questions at the end to Philip. I must say an enormous thank you to our subscribers who help support the podcast and help us to continue to make this happen. Subscribers access all of the 450 plus, almost 500 articles on the Sweat Elite website now, which is over three years of research into the training of elite distance runners. We cover Elia Kipchoge, Kenanisa Bikile, Mo Farah, and plenty of other top distance runners from around the world. You can find the link to do this, to subscribe and to learn more in the show notes of this podcast episode. Subscribers help keep the podcast coming. As I said, production costs in Getting these athletes and coaches to come onto the podcast is time-consuming and not cheap at times, and those funds help to continue to make this happen. So a huge thank you once again to our subscribers. You can also decide to support in a one-off payment of US $15, which allows you access to the Sweatly articles for one week. That's about enough from me in the intro. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode recorded from Iten, Kenya, with German distance runner Philip Flieger. 
Okay, thanks for tuning in to this Sweat Elite podcast episode from Kerio View Hotel in Kenya. I'm sitting here with the uh, group that's attending the Sweat Elite training camp in Kenya and German marathon runner, uh, Olympian Philip Flieger. Philip, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. So, uh, Philip and I have been in contact uh, for, for a couple of weeks now, actually, just before I arrived into Kenya, and I've interviewed some of your, uh, I guess you can say, your competitors or your friends in Germany yeah, yeah. in the last couple of years. And uh, I thought it would be great to have you on the podcast because you've got quite an interesting story in that um, uh, you, you, you had some troubles uh, with some injuries and, um, uh, and so forth as a teenager and in your early 20s, but you stuck at it and you were able to qualify for the Rio Olympic Games and your goal this year, of course, is to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, so I think it would be great to start with, oh, and of course, uh, on this podcast episode, I wanted to speak quite a bit about the book that you released um, late last year. Yeah, it was mid, on mid last year? September 6th. Last September, year, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that must have been right around the Berlin Marathon time. Um, so we discussed the book a little bit in a run uh, the, uh, a couple of days ago, and I thought it'd be great to talk a little bit about that. Of course, the book's in German. Um, some of the listeners uh, uh, won't be able to read it, but we can talk a bit about that. So I think, I think we can start with... Um, talking maybe a bit about the book because that tells your story in, in detail. Um, so, if someone asked you, uh, uh, of course, if they can't understand the book in German, how would you describe uh, the, the the book as a, in, in summary? It was kind of uh, um, yeah. In Germany, there I have a, um, a, sports, a marketing agency and a publisher reached out to them last uh, last a year non uh, two years ago um, in 2018 and they asked if uh, if I can tell my story as um, yeah as a professional runner as an elite runner but I'm not a world-class athlete um, but I found uh, my story quite interesting how how long it took me to to reach that childhood dream of like uh, becoming an Olympian because I started running when I was a little child just for fun um, and very early I um, yeah, kind of had that dream to become an Olympian, like probably a lot of kids have. Um, you said you watched the 1996 Olympics, Gabriel Selassie and Turgat fighting it out in the 10K, was that? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was a very inspiring moment for you, and that's when the dream really began. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I, I started running, like, uh, with my father, basically, because he was a, 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 or is a recreation runner, like a lot of uh, guys. He uh, also did some, uh, some marathons. And uh, he took me with him for some runs, and I, um, I, I definitely had uh, had a lot of fun running. And when we watched uh, the 1996 Olympics, which were the first Olympics I vividly remember, um, I was I was uh, you like must have been nine amazed by uh, at the, the time, yeah, 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 yeah. Of eight or nine years uh, of age, uh, amazed by the the running of Gipper Selassie and Paul Tergat and fighting it out in the last 100. And um, as my parents recall until today, um, I was sitting there in the living room and telling them, yeah, one day uh, I will be there too. And uh, for sure they laughed um, because, uh, yeah, if you're eight or nine years of age, it's not like very realistic dream. But um, somehow that um, crazy idea uh, stick with me, with me like for the next... 20 or 21 years, and uh, 21 years later, um, I was in the uh, in the Zambodromo in Rio on the starting line for the marathon. Yeah, and of course we'll we'll go into more details about how you went from watching the Olympics as a nine-year-old to qualifying. But you were able to qualify at the Berlin Marathon in 2015 when you ran your personal best of 2:12:50. 
And uh, so that was, you must have been age, uh, you must have been mid-20s or even late 20s at that point. 28 to 28, 28. yeah. Um, I guess we can go back to, uh, we discussed this before recording, but um, so you had, you really developed that dream at around eight or nine to sort of uh, really want to qualify for the Olympics at some stage. But then let's talk about your teenage years where you had some, some troubles. So maybe we can talk a bit about that. Yeah, I always um, was in love with running, but uh, right at the beginning, when things get a little bit more serious for most of the guys when they come in their teenage years, um, I uh, faced adversity for the first time because um, I kind of um, had some growth problems with my knees uh, between the age of 13 and 17, um, so I missed almost the entire like youth development which um, it's very important yeah which is very important to build slowly uh, um, a mileage and like everything and the experience from racing um, and I had a youth coach who might have seen some kind of talent in me and he um, supported me all the way like uh, motivated me to do cross training like uh, aqua jogging and stuff like that which was not very uh, usual uh, 20 years ago um, and somehow I um, managed to to um, to pass those four years and uh, started running competitively again with yeah, maybe the age of 17 or 18. So yeah. my first German uh, championships on the track were like with, uh, I think, 19 years of age, so very late. That's very late, yes. Um, but somehow I uh, made the podium and uh, instantly got selected for the national team. Um, yeah. uh, and somehow I was in the middle of, like, yeah, it's, uh, competitive running again. Um, I'm... I went to college after after uh, my my uh, school in Germany. In Germany, yes. Yep. I declined some uh, from uh, some offers from the uh, from the US because I was a little bit scared at that point um, that the workload they do there is uh, too much for me with that background. So um, I switched um, to another club in uh, southern Germany, which was. I would say some somehow kind of successful in the last uh, ten years now because we had some uh, in Rio we had three uh, people from our club and yeah. six at Euro so for a small club pretty pretty good um, and then I made a lot of mistakes people do when they get back into running and feeling competitive um, and you do too much progression like yes you are you are greedy yeah um, and I. Um, I had a lot of stress fractures, um, knee problems, Achilles problems, uh, and ultimately I had some uh, three surgeries uh, beneath 11 months in 2010 to 2011, one knee surgery and uh, two foot surgeries, and uh, that was um, that was yeah it was hard, but also there were some doctors telling me uh, yeah you're done with professional running, and um, with, when you are 24 years old. Um, you somehow realize uh, instantly that all those lofty dreams of be becoming an Olympian is uh, very far away um, if you are doing rehab on your own. And at that point, I decided um, that if I will get a second chance yep. in trying, um, I will make no compromises. I finished my bachelor's degree in uh, politics, and then I, I wanted to go pro. I didn't know that. Uh, at that point, how to finance myself, but I, yeah. uh, I knew that I wanted to, like, uh, give everything I, I could for the 
following four years uh, and trying to make it for, for the Rio Olympics. And what were your, um, of course I know, but for listeners, what, what sort of level were you at at that point when you were facing that, that difficult period in 2011 and 2012, which, which is a very difficult time in your mid-20s because you start to see a lot of your friends from school get full-time jobs, um, start to earn a bit of money. And if you're, it, I feel like at that age, if you, if you struggle with a few pretty big injuries, often people do quit in their mid-20s because especially if those injuries are prolonged over a number of years, you see a few people, quite, quite a lot of people fall out. So you've obviously stuck through that and, and, and come out the other side. But sorry, my question was, at what sort of level were you at at that point? What were your personal bests at that stage when you faced those difficult times? I, make, um, I made good progression uh, at the beginning of my early 20s. Um, I think with the age of 20... Yeah, after the surgery, actually. After the surgery, I... Um, I was able to run a 150, 800, 343, 1500 uh, meters, 752 for the 3K, yep. 13, 31 for the 5K. It's quite good range. It's it's a it's a solid range. Yes. But um, yeah, and the, all the all that stuff like under 23 European Championships and stuff like that. Yes. So I managed to get some experience in those early 20s, but on the same on the same time, um, and especially to see those um, qualification standards for the for the London Olympics. Yeah. which were in Germany because Germany used to uh, have their own special standards, not the, the international standards, um, which were way harder. I think uh, Arne Gabius um, had to go below 13.18 to qualify for the, for, uh, for the 5K for London. So um, I made the experience that if you, go, if you turn pro, um, you have way more time to train. Yes. You are able to produce great training results, um, but that does not mean that you instantly like progress in your PBs. Yes, um, especially if you are in a mid-range like 1330 guy. Like the races, especially in Europe, um, if you're not that league of uh, like Diamond League level, um, there are like a handful of other races which are in the 1320 range. Yes. And um, you have to get in those races, which is sometimes pretty hard if you depend on your agent. And um, it's, it's hard to progress from that. And um, after two years uh, of being a professional runner, I was not sure if that way I always uh, have seen myself as a, as a track runner. And I loved doing track and the speed and everything. Um, in fact, I laughed a little bit of, about marathon running because it's just for the old guys who are too, too slow for, like, for, for real cool stuff on Is the track. Is that you now? Yeah, that's what I'm now, <laughs> so it's a little bit of irony. Yeah. Um, that, what, that was that when I, what I was thinking of, about marathon running. Um, and after two years, I think uh, in 2014, I, I was pretty sure that my level of talent would not... Um, um, be enough to qualify for the Olympics in Rio. Mm. So I had to make a difficult uh, decision uh, whether I wanted to quit at that point. 2014? Yeah. yeah. So you were 27? Yeah, it was, it was in the, the beginning of 2014. Or yes. to try uh, something completely different, Yes. Uh, which I had no idea of, actually, and I, which was not like love, love on the first sight. Um, and I said... I've got I've, I've come so far, um, and I uh, had to to eat a lot of uh, dust hmm. to 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 um, come to that point that I could not uh, give up, but uh, tried something completely new, which yeah. 
um, did not work out very good in the beginning because okay. in 2014 I did uh, my first uh, marathon in Frankfurt. Okay. Um, actually, with, with Julian. Uh, but Julian Flügel was uh, at that point uh, quite. Uh, quite a solid marathon runner with some experience and he was able to do uh, 214 range at that point yep. so I thought um, yeah, 214 is just 3 minutes uh, and 10 seconds per kilometer, how hard can that be yeah. um, so I thought 214 pace is uh, good to, to start with marathon running and uh, I feel miserably, like at, the, uh, at 36 I, I was like totally dehydrated because I did not drink uh, on the side of the road and uh, Julian actually uh, PRing in uh, Frankfurt and uh, that, that, that was kind of a struggle to, uh, to get mentally over it and try, uh, try once, once again uh, but, but what I, time did you run in Frankfurt that day? I could not finish Okay, I could not finish I okay. was, I, like, and that was the first attempt that was the first attempt like yes. at 36 or 37 I was completely cool. completely done Okay, um, and I took it took me quite uh, I think two or three months to get back into the mood for running and to yeah. like try once once again and uh, I was sure Berlin Marathon that's what actually is the first uh, chapter in the book Berlin Marathon would have been my last race uh, at least as a as a professional runner because uh, I would not have the, the energy mentally and also financially to to try once once again. Yes. So uh, I knew on the on the on the morning of Berlin Marathon that that might be my last 2015. 15, yeah. That's mm. when you ran your personal best. Yes. Yeah. I slept okay. like I don't think I slept two hours at that night because I was really pressuring myself. Yes. Um, and I knew I had to go like one minute faster for the half than uh, in Frankfurt, and I knew what happened uh, what happened then one year before. So I was under a lot of pressure, but um, it was the race of my life, actually. Yeah. Right. Did you run a marathon in between? So Frankfurt's in October. Yes. 2014. You had you you, you feel like you fat well. You didn't finish that one. Um, Berlin's 11 months later in 2015 in September. Yes. Did you run one in between those or? No. Wow. So you went from your first marathon being a 36-kilometer DNF um, to running a 2.12.50. Was yep. there, a, I mean, talk us through that period. Were you, were you, were you thinking about doing one in between them, or, or, or did you not, did you quit for a little while, or what happened? Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest um, in, in the winter of 2014, that was one of my darkest um, yeah. phases, actually. Well, um, you'd just been through a couple of years of... of bad injury you've tried the marathon and you've dnf so i can I understand it's a tough tough period what yeah. what, what now it was hard like for my friends for my for my girlfriend like you are not yourself at that point because yeah. somehow you feel after that long of a time chasing that dream yeah. and at that point it was still 17 or 18 years i tried everything to improve to become a better athlete to have a shot for the olympics um at that point um after 2014 frankfurt marathon I was pretty sure I I was done. Yeah. Like marathon was the last how do I say the last chance for me. I thought yes. I might have a chance, and uh, because of that um, experience in Frankfurt, I was not sure if there's like um, a future for me in marathon running. Um, so I did not run like for two months. Yeah. And I think right after New Year's Eve, my best friend Felix turned up uh, at our apartment. And he said, um, get your shoes, we go running. Okay. And I said, no, I don't think so. Why yeah. should I run? Middle of winter too, it's yeah, dark, yeah, it's yeah. cold. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I, I did run with him, like 10K. On the next day, he showed up again. He said, 
get your shoes, we go running. Mm. And after that, he told me, um, we'll meet us uh, tomorrow at the airport in Munich. Uh, we're flying to Montegordo. And I said, no, I don't think so. Why should I fly to Montegordo? Because we're doing a training camp. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you need a lot of good people around you to, to, to help to get you out of... A dark time. Yeah, dark time. And I flew to Montegordo, and after that, two weeks, and I was not fit, I was not... I was not sure. I have no goals. Why? Why did I? Uh, why I did that? But if you've been like 12 or 13 times to Montegordo yet, usually you have a good time there, good weather, good training. Yeah. And after that two weeks, I was motivated again. I was like um, loving running again. Not. Yeah. I had no goal at that point of time. Yeah. But I knew. Okay, maybe one more year. One more year with like building back fitness. Yep. Doing two half marathons in uh, in spring and have a long preparation for one last shot in the marathon. And uh, I PR'd in the half marathon at that time. I did my first 63 time in Venlo, in the Netherlands. And 63-14, uh, is that right? 50 at that point of time. 50 at that point, okay. Because I improved later, but okay. um, then I also did the German championships, which I won. Um, did my, I think, 28-40, 28-43 in the summer. Yep. And did a long and very different preparation for Berlin Marathon. It'd be um, good to talk a bit about that because it's quite an amazing transition. It's quite an amazing, uh, what's the, lacking a better word, but to go from, in those, in, those, in those 11 months, to go from failing to 212. So yeah, yeah. What did you do in the preparation there? Do you, in, I'm sure you remember some bits of it at least. Yeah, yeah. I, the main thing was I did way more running than I did before Frankfurt. Okay. Because I think for Frankfurt, if you're used to do like 140 to 160 kilometers, um, and do track workouts, you think that is hard training. Yes. And then for me to like go to 170, 180 and do 30k long runs, I thought, wow, that's tough. That's marathon training. But it's not actually because for Berlin, I did like 200 plus weeks. Wow. Um, I did my lo shortest long runs were 35. I did uh, a couple of 40s, I think three. Uh, or, and I so for those listening in miles, that's about 125, 130 miles per week. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people from the UK and US listen to this uh, podcast, so we and, do a couple, of, a couple of translations to the miles, yeah. And uh, especially the long runs were not easy. Um, we did, like, reduce the quality sessions per week from three to two, but um, usually the Wednesday workout uh, was speed-related, and the first half of my preparation, it's more like fart leg style yep. um, in the second half of the preparation it's usually long track workouts at half marathon speed uh, in the end maybe also 10k speed yep. um, and the long runs are usually run fast um, and fast the whole way or just at the end or in the beginning to get used to the mileage and to the that your legs get used to the to the pounding it's um, it's like continuous pace and like the last five or ten fast, yeah. faster, as fast as you can. And is that sort of, sorry, a couple of questions, is yeah, that close to marathon pace or the at last, the end? In the end, yes. Yeah. Um, and the second half is especially hard, uh, the, uh, the second half of the marathon build-up. Um, we usually tend to do marathon pace workouts in between the long runs. I told you some uh, yes. some of them I did. Um, some of them are very, very fast. I was yeah. almost surprised that. You hadn't, yeah. I'm still experimenting yeah. about uh, how much can you do because um, at that point I could not do workouts I, like I did last year before Berlin. Um, but for example, last year f before Berlin, um, I did a 40k long run, um, which was 17k warm up. Um, what sort of pace is that? 
330 pace um, okay. or 335 in between something like that and then I did 6 by 3k at marathon pace so 305 to 310 depending on the like on the uh, the road um, and uh, recovery was 1k at 330 so you get a pretty solid long run in uh, with in total I think it was uh, 2 or 14 something uh, which is around 320 pace um, uh, total. So 40k long run, the total average pace is about 320. Yeah, yeah, and that's including some intervals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, yeah, and then that changed a lot, like feeling during the marathon. Yeah. Um, because if you just do 30, 30k long runs, this is, for me it's it's barely a long run because uh, yeah. the marathon is 42 and the race starts at. 20 miles or 35k, something like that. Um, and especially the race was kind of, um, yeah, how do I say it? Was, it was tough in Berlin with pretty good paces, really good paces. Uh, Julian was also in my group trying to go for the Olympic standard and uh, he also did it. But um, the last pacer dropped out at 30, I think at 30. So 31st kilometer was really slow, like two seconds slower, no one, nobody wanted to lead. And then two guys searched out of the group and I just saw their names on the bib I did not know that both of them were Belgium um, I, th I thought one of them is French and they were like going crazy I think the 32nd kilometer was uh, 302 uh, in, in total but they backed off a little bit uh, already so I went with them the group was the group blew up it was just uh, us three and they were constantly like switching the sides of the road searching each other racing each other and I was like how what are you yeah, yeah what are What's you doing going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah how uh, uncomfortable can you run uh, the last 10k of a marathon were they racing each other yeah and for, they okay. told me in the uh, in the finish line because that uh, that did go on um, until the finish line we finished in between two seconds so it was sprint finish uh, uh, the three of us um and they told me that one guy of them already had the Olympic standard, uh, and uh, another one who is usually um, like a faster guy was expected to uh, do a later marathon. So they thought they compete for the last spot for Belgium in that race, oh. um, and they tried to race each other. And uh, and he got caught up in the race. Yeah, yeah. and I was like, what, what are they doing? Is that how you run a marathon, like in the last ten k? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, matter of fact, the, the other guy did not make it. So we, we three uh, met again in uh, in Rio in the San Bruno, yeah. um, which is uh, yeah, which connected us on a on a special way because I, I see the, the those guys uh, sometimes uh, around in the international circuit and uh, we always have that smile on your face, yeah. remembering that uh, kind of unique race we did uh, uh, 2015. Yeah, cool. And in the book. Uh, Laufen am Limit, which in German translates to running to your limit, more or less, yeah. at your limit. At your limit, yeah. Um, is this all, all told in that book in, in German? Yeah. yeah. And you, then you, do you speak a bit about Rio Olympics as well? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because um, Rio still is like, most people think Rio is the most important race in my life. It was the most special race in my life yep. uh, until now, but the mm -hmm. most important race was for sure the Berlin Marathon, which made that possible um, it's um, it's yeah it's besides all that negative stuff with IOC and you know how the corruption in Brazil and stuff like that um, I think for every athlete Olympics are like, uh, like 
epic experience yes, of course. because it's not it's for an athlete the, the Olympics stand for more than just like the, the, the real life stuff around yes um, and yeah that was crazy like you see a lot of in the Olympic uh, village you see uh, a lot of different uh, athletes everyone is very very friendly very um, welcoming um, and I did not know in fact if I would progress with my career okay after the Olympics, right? because there was a lot of interview questions right before the, the Olympics. Uh, what's the plan for, uh, are you going for the next Olympic cycle afterwards? But um, at that point, I was pretty, um, how do I say, worn out, like with okay. all that 15 years of yes, yeah, hard work and like not knowing in August if you can pay your rent like in November. And I was not sure if I would do, um, or if I would progress with professional running after um, after the Olympics. But matter of fact, Rio also um, changed my life in terms of like sponsor sponsorships um, and uh, bigger sports marketing agencies in Germany, which yeah always see running as a good like um, how do I say um, sport like because everybody does uh, well. A lot of people uh, run. Speak in Germany, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in Germany, we have a lot of big running events. Yeah. Um, after soccer, it's still the, the, the second biggest uh, market in the sports industry. So um, I was lucky enough to, to get some uh, good contracts which uh, enable me to progress with my hobby, with, which is now my job, but yeah. Uh, also, um, yeah, with a good feeling um, because... You get older. I'm yeah. 32 now. You yeah. Somehow you want to have a family maybe and uh, yeah. you want to have uh, the, the possibility to support it. And um, so that made me uh, kind of a really happy person to have the opportunity to try again and come back to the Olympics, yeah. which is uh, way harder now because yeah. um, the international standard was 217. For Rio. For Rio. The German standard was um, 214 in the end. Um, it was, I read before we started this, it was faster. In yes. fact, it was faster than the time you ran. I missed, it by, 35, I missed it by 35 seconds. So when you ran to 12.50, you actually thought that you hadn't qualified at that point? Yes. So what, and then what happened then? So the qualifier was 2.12.15? Yes, and I did 15. The German standard. And you did 2.12.50. And so then how did it change for you to be selected? Um, I went over the finish line and I was just like happy like the, the most happy probably I've been in my whole life not because I missed the standard but to with all that experience from Frankfurt Marathon yes. and like being dizzy dropping out and all that struggle I went through to finally run not just run my first marathon yes. but also in a quite decent way yeah. um, I was just happy to had the power to overcome everything and just to do that on that day with all the pressure, with not sleeping at night and everything. Um, but five minutes later, I had live TV uh, uh, interview with one of the biggest uh, TV channels in Germany. And yeah, for sure, journalists always want to uh, want some trouble because uh, it's better for... Uh, some for drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they asked me not like, how happy are you? But they, yeah, how frustrating... Uh, <laughs> has it to be like missing the Olympic Center by 35 seconds and the first answer was like I'm just happy and all that and then they asked again and I said yeah okay I don't understand why we have like 
four and a four and a half minute faster yeah. uh, limit than like the US because for them they say 217 is okay we send the best three runners yes. um, and then they will we will see what they can do at the Olympics and uh, I think the US has more to lose like in a medal uh, perspective than like Germany so I did not understand that and every big newspaper after that interview was like full on the next day with, yeah. with what I said and that was a big um, led to a big discussion about um, sports support in Germany and um, why why we, we struggle uh, at, at international championships and stuff like that and in the end um, yeah I, I got a, we, I got connected with a lawyer who is uh, his special he's a sports uh, right and he also told me he wanted to support uh, us athletes and uh, we want to fight um, for our rights actually and um, three months later just before we went to court um, the German Olympic Federation and the German Athletics Federation uh, changed the standards not just for us marathon runners uh, but for, for uh, all disciplines yeah because I think their idea was that they only wanted to send people that had a chance to come in the top Right, three or the yeah. final or something like that. But yeah. then, obviously, obviously, that's a little bit. I don't know how you would how you would describe that. A little bit unfair to the athletes that have put in so much work and that have actually qualified under the the Olympic standards, but not under the national standards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Rio Olympics, you came fifty fifth out of over one hundred and fifty athletes. You ran a solid time of two eighteen fifty five. You were amongst. In fact, you beat a number of athletes that had PBs of much faster than yours, which was, which was obviously um, a fantastic effort. Um, how did you feel about that result? Did you is that about where you wanted to yeah had, where you wanted to place or you weren't sure? Or? Actually, I had, I had no clue yeah. uh, where I have to sort myself in because Rio was like my second marathon I finished in the end. So um, most of the guys who were there were way more experienced marathon runners. Um, Hang I on a moment. Can I ask you a question? You between Berlin 2015 and Rio, which was yeah. 11, you didn't you didn't do a marathon in between those two? Uh, actually, or no, I did not because I was injured in uh, in the uh, in early of 2016. Okay. I had some uh, knee problems and still had to do. And Germany, we sometimes have to do like um, I don't know what's in English, but uh, yeah, fitness test kind okay. of. Yeah. Okay. We had to do a, a certain half marathon time to show we are fit that okay. we can get selected. Um, the time was not hard to do. I think it was 65 and a half marathon, but um, I had knee, I had knee problems, which um, which was difficult to decide how to manage that because I had to train to do like sub 65, but yes. could not like rest my knee, so that was a little bit uh, difficult to to prepare uh, properly for for Rio. Um, so after the, the the half marathon, I had to I think I had to take five weeks off. Okay. Uh, with just cross training and then I started uh, my preparation in May which was not ideal but uh, still kind of okay um, and I had no idea how to race in conditions such like Rio because my only experience was to run marathon in Europe in the fall yeah. um, and I knew even if it's winter in Rio it's like way different to like in Europe Yes. Uh, we still had I think 25 to 26 degrees but also 95% humidity um, so I started pretty conservatively uh, my race. I was like 110th or 120th place at half marathon. Wow. Okay. Um, so I was in the last group and I thought, okay, that was pace for 216. So still I struggled on the, on the second half. Right. But got another 55, 60 places uh, in, the uh, half. Yeah, in the second half. So you can imagine how that looked on the course. 
like there were crazy scenes people with cramps on the road like vomiting like like laying on the ground dizzy because uh, they all overestimated their their um, like fitness condition or whatever or the the, the weather conditions um, and I was not fast in the end but also um, getting uh, 60 people um, so I was quite content with that I could not run one step faster uh, in the end um, 55th place is not how do I say it's, it's not like uh, exceptional but um, on that day I, it was the, the maximum what I can do yeah okay so after that in, in the book um, what is I guess what follows from Rio what do you then talk about because you had um, you ran Berlin Marathon did you run 2016 Because the 2017 um, was the one that you had the issues towards the end of the race. Yeah, I, I did not because... Uh, oh, that was there shortly was, after Rio anyway. Yeah, it was yeah. just one month or five weeks in between. Yeah, 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 of course. Okay, so what followed Rio? What was then the... Actually, it was my first vacation for like five or six years okay. uh, after Rio. So we traveled three weeks through Brazil and uh, yeah. visited uh, different countryside, which was very nice, very interesting. Um, and it was good to have some time off to... I finally decide what I wanted to do after that. Right. And shortly uh, after I returned to Germany, I felt that I still have that same love for running and that same love for chasing that perfect athlete I can be with my talent. Yeah. So um, I um, I was sure I wanted to 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 stick with professional running. Um, I still want to yeah to to find out how fast I can run actually mm -hmm. um, I'm very curious if I'm able to, to go below that Olympic standard um, which is 2.11.30 now um, I think no athlete ever who has been once at Olympic Games says okay that was nice but it's enough now yes. because you always want to, to be there another time and have another shot mm -hmm. to improve your results from like four years ago um, it was the same for me actually um, but as I um, four years older now and my PB is still the same I had to learn that with just being able to have two shots at a marathon usually um, per year um, it is not as easy to improve your results like on the track in earlier days because in summer you you can basically run every weekend or every second weekend of 5k if you want um, in the marathon you have to put in three to four months very very hard work for one day and if on that day you don't have the legs or the weather is bad or the pacemakers are bad or the group is not like working together as it should um, it's hard to improve actually just by like one minute or one and a half minutes um, when we're talking about the Olympic standard yeah. it seems not that much but because it's two seconds per K but everything has to work out perfectly so um, I tried to go for that 210 to 11 range two times and I failed two times like you mentioned the 217 marathon which made me kind of famous in Germany because uh, it was live on television how I collapsed um, between yeah basically three times I stood up two times like struggling uh, to This is to Berlin Marathon 2017 2017 yeah, yeah. So We're you went you went for 211 210 to I wanted to do, I wanted to do, uh, to do the 210 yeah. but uh, the weather was pretty bad the weather forecast um, and so we had technical meeting the day before and also the the race director told us whether it's not perfectly uh, there was also Elliot and, and yeah. Michele and uh, he told them it's most likely not ideal for going for a world record um, 
but I was I'm or maybe I'm still still kind of a stubborn guy and my coach at that at that point told me just check off those European standards for the next year it was 214 it will be easy for you but you have another year where you can perfectly uh, perfectly prepare for that uh, European championships which were in uh, Berlin so uh, home games kind of yeah um But I was training pretty good over that period of summer, and I was like, I wanted to go to the next level. Yeah. And I wanted to go through the wall if necessary. So I said, no way, we can bargain a little bit, but 211 flat is my minimum where I want to go. And it was pretty cold, pretty windy, pretty wet. So mm. the road was wet. Um, pacemakers were not that good. The first one dropped out at eight. Uh, we were just like a small international group at the 211 range. So... I just put my head down and hammered through as hard as I could. Um, and at 36, I think, I felt the first time something is not right. Like My, my fingers felt numb a little bit. I was feeling uh, suddenly very cold. And I just progressed and hammered on. And at 37, I found myself on the other side of the road. Like in Germany... Uh, usually the best German has an, uh, like an own uh, pace car with a projected uh, finish time, last K, uh, and, and so on. And I, the, the car was on the left side, where the, the, the how do I say, the, you know, the blue line was? Yes, yes. And I was on the right. And right. I had no idea how I, how you got there. How I got there. Yeah. Um, and one, I think a half K later, I was hanging in the fence on the side, on my okay. knees. I was, yeah. And then I got up because I saw the projected finish time was still 2.12 at that point. And I was like, okay, just stood, uh, stand up and, and, and go on. And uh, at 38, some medicals uh, on, the, on the side wanted to drag me out, and I said, no, I want to run further. And at 39.5 something, I was like collapsing. Right. And yeah, there was a motorcycle, uh, yeah. motorbike, cameras, two, two uh, yeah. were with me, and they were filming everything, so I was... All I, got, I got kind of famous after that in Germany. Yeah. And you had a person uh, help you out that you then tried to find on social media. Did you yeah, find that him? Was, that was pretty crazy because yeah. uh, there was a young guy on the side. He was actually, in fact, he was going to the gym, but he passed by the, the yep. marathon course and he stood there for like, he, he told me he stood there for three minutes and he saw me coming along that uh, the long road yeah. and he saw I was like in, in trouble, in serious trouble, like because of the way I ran or I tried to run. Um, and I did not know that guy. Um, and when I was about to like fall over, he was like getting to me and like, um, how do I say, um, preparing, uh, preventing me from, from falling. Yes. Um, um, and I was so dizzy and I don't know, they just put me in a car and, I drove, back, uh, and drove me back to the finish line. And my, my brother, in fact, he asked me some hours later because he saw that on television if I had thanked him and if I know how, 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 what his name was and I said um, actually no because I was like in another yeah. state of mind um, and then I, I think I, yeah, it took me three days to think over if people would see it kind of a negative marketing thing to like fi try to find him yeah. but in the end I, I just took a picture out of the TV coverage the screenshot bought, yeah. yeah screenshot um, and I just posted it on Facebook and on Instagram if someone knows this guy and can text me uh, because I wanted to yeah, at least call him uh, um, thank him and send him some gear if he wants yeah. um, and 
matter of fact is like it was like viral in Germany. It was yeah. on the subway and television and radio and everything. When I did some research on before this interview, I found many uh, news articles about this. Yeah. That was that was really crazy. I did not expect that. Yeah. But uh, 24 hours later, uh, he called uh, okay. at my sports marketing agency. Yeah. And then we FaceTimed and uh, I asked him if I can do him a favor. So he was actually in a former triathlete. So okay. he asked if we can do some training together. And I told him, okay, uh, the next time I'm in Berlin, we, we go for a run. I'll bring you some gear and um, yeah, we had some dinner afterwards. It nice. was pretty nice. Yeah, very cool. And we still, until today, we uh, text sometime. He's now going more into the rap business in uh, Germany. Okay. So I, uh, I'm, I'm following that uh, pretty close. Yeah, okay, <laughs> cool. Okay, so that was 2017, uh, Berlin Marathon. And where does that, so what follows on from there? And I guess where we're leading to, we've, we've been through... Um, everything up until that point and we're going to eventually get to where we are today and the goals for this year but then what happened in 2018 and 2019 what were what were the highlights and the lowlights in, in that through that period it um the one of the positive things after that was because i think a lot of people in my surrounding um were a little bit frightened how i will manage to deal with the experience from berlin 2017 and in fact um i think i watched that scene like 100 times and after that I was done with it and um, I think maybe for me it's part of the process to like fail five times or six times or seven times but if I will eventually like get to that next level everything is worth it yes. I think so um, it's not like that I backed off my goals but I tr still try to just train harder yeah. um, and try again um, and in the spring of 2018, I um, did my, how do I say, my most comfortable marathon in Hamburg because uh, I still needed that European standard. So um, the, the A standard was 214, but um, it was not that much time between um, the end of April and the European Championships in Berlin in August. So I just told my goal was just to make the qualifier. Yeah, just go below the, the, the 214. And I did 2.13.39, and I was in the, in, the, in the finish area. I was like Within one minute of your best. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. But, but I felt, I, I trained like crazy for like being in a shape to do that as easy as possible, like yeah. to recover faster, and then you can go on the next marathon build up. So the first part went pretty well, because the 2.13.39 were like, I just felt maybe the last case a little bit up in Hamburg. I felt that. But when I was um, over the finish line, like two minutes after that, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to the interview station, and then um, I was pretty, um, pr pretty, uh, pretty relaxed. The problem was I did never before try to do like four months of marathon build-up, marathon, one week off, next marathon build-up. Right. And in that period of time, I was. Uh, at the beginning, I was still in very good shape. I did uh, the 10K European standard as well. So I had that kind of crazy plan to do both at the, at the European Championships in okay. Berlin because uh, the 10K were on the first day and the marathon was on the last day. Yes. Um, but I think two or three weeks out of the European Championships, I, had some, I got some Achilles issues because maybe I took no break in between that uh, eight months of... Uh, marathon training um, so unfortunately I could not um, I, I started the marathon but I could not uh, finish actually I had to drop out at 30 because uh, yeah, Achilles was pretty 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 uh, worn out um, 
so yeah after that all the focus was uh, sh was shifted to to getting the olympic standard and um, even 2019 was not ideal i did not get that 62 half, half marathon time which i wanted to do in the in the spring of 2019 right And as you know, um, also uh, the Berlin Marathon 2019 was not um, successful. I yeah. could not get that standard. I had to you had some drop problems out with, with your back, lower back, and then cramps with my with my hamstrings. Yeah, which yeah, I managed to run 10k with that, but at 33, I was I was done, and um, I took some time um, to recover from that and started training again. Um, I think mid November. Uh, last fall, um, which helped me to get some kind of good basic fitness. And here in Kenya, I try. Uh, I started my my real marathon build up for Hamburg Marathon, uh, which will be in 13 weeks. Yeah. And you, what's the goal? It's uh, it's the Olympic standard, 2:11:30. Last chance. It's a little bit like uh, Berlin 2015. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not like in that. Um, Not, not, not like in that uh, very negative dimension that I will give up running after that, but yeah, still it's a, it's a, it's a last chance. Sure. Okay, so we've got, uh, so, so you arrived in Kenya the same day as me, I think, last week. Yeah. And you've got a, about a month training camp here. Yeah, right. Is this, you may have told me, I'm sorry if I forgot, how many times is this for you in Kenya? Is this uh, just, uh, just my second time. Yeah. Um, I went to, yeah. A lot of training camps, uh, usually in Europe. Um, Montegordo is the main. Yeah, the Portugal yeah. way of. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, Montegordo as well in uh, in February. Yeah. We've, got um, a, we've got a Portuguese. Uh, we've got Pedro here that's from yeah, just down the road from uh, from Montegordo. Very Lisbon. nice there. Um, yeah. Very very good for 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 running. Um, yeah, the the other stuff like Italy, uh, Andalusia, and, and 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 Spain, Saint Moritz and stuff like that. Um, even Potchefstroom in South Africa. Yeah, I was there just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. it's also very nice. But uh, it took me a while to get to Kenya, and uh, I fell in love with Kenya right right in the beginning. Like yeah. last year, I was pretty sure to come back here because I find uh, the training, um, how do I say, training grounds and, and everything is, is perfect. Yeah. It's very hard running here, but yeah. it makes you very strong. So, um, yeah, I love it here. So for those listening that are interested in coming to Kenya to train how would you in a minute or two describe how what it's like here um, Every you, you said it's hard I, I guess you're saying that because the altitude is you know, we're at 2400 meters which in feet is 75 7600 uh, feet um, it's very hilly But not only is it hilly, well, there's not too many huge hills, but there's lots of small hills. Yeah. But not only that, the surface is very uneven a lot of the, a lot of the time. Yeah, so you're, you're running roads, on little rocks. Dirt roads, rocks, yeah. everything. Um, very dusty if you go with the Kenyans yes. for a fart leg. <laughs> <laughs> I experienced that yesterday, yes. I had some trouble there. DNF the fart leg. Um, that, that was me, by the way. Um, it is tough here, but uh, why do you think... I mean, why do people come here then? Do, do you think it toughens them up or... Yeah. Why, why do you... It Why did you choose to come here over over the Monte Gordo or, or for me? I think sea level training um, is what I did all my life, basically. Um, and for me, at some point, it's hard to improve my training on sea level with the mileage I do yeah. because if I go faster than what I already do, the risk of injury is 
very much increasing because yeah, you can do long runs below 320, but some, at some point it may be uh, too tough for your legs. Um, and I think in Kenya, yeah, it's also tough to run, but the paces are for sure way, way slower than uh, what you do at sea level because of altitude, because of the hills and everything. So I can do a lot of training in the same heart rate, like, um, like down uh, at sea level with like 20 to 30 seconds slower of running yeah, yeah. so uh, if I do like 320 330 pace it's like how do I say he 350 340 yeah. up here so um, I normally it, I'm, I normally convert it to a to about 25 seconds per kilometer up yeah, here. Yeah. But of course it depends on the route. If you go on a flat road down at Moyben for example it's maybe it's same. 15 or yeah. 20. But up here it's probably 25 so yeah. So that um, helps my training and also um, it helps a lot to build like strength endurance. Yes. Um, and especially on my first part first half or first third of my marathon build up it's um, it's focused on like strength endurance. Yes. Like high mileage, get used to mileage, get used to the long runs, but also strength endurance. And I don't go very much to the gym here in Kenya because every run is like it's not you have to work like not just the legs. You know the, the run we did yesterday, yeah. which with all the turns and like, oh. up and down. It's a gym session in the run. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> um, and and I like that actually. And besides that, the weather is perfect. Like um, you have been here also for one week. Every yeah. day is great for running. Minimum of twelve, maximum of twenty-three. Yeah. Pretty low humidity. It's Ideal great. for running. Um, yeah. The food is great. Yeah. The people are very nice, very welcoming. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's no no point to not love Kenya. Yeah, for sure. And what does your training sort of week look like now, if you described it roughly in, here in Kenya for these next few weeks? Um, I'm uh, as I'm self coach now since last year. Um, I still try. I'm not changing my whole training regime, yeah. um, but I'm experimenting with some new stuff. Um, I think I'm a more complete athlete now than four years ago so I'm able to handle like more intensive stuff in the week um, this week I it's my first week here I will do about 200-210 kilom kilometers um, 125-130 miles Sorry, we've got a uh, we've got an English uh, <laughs> in, in, the, in the in the crowd here who yeah. speaks in miles, and of course all the Americans do as well. So it's good to convert. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and this week we just uh, did the, did one progressive run with uh, with the Kenyans on Wednesday early morning. Mm. Um, but I will do a tempo session tomorrow with some yep. uh, uh, Danish guys. Um, some two K reps. Yeah, 2K reps and uh, long run on Sunday, which will also be not slow. Mm. <laughs> um, and next week, uh, or the next week uh, will we'll look kind of the same. Maybe track session on Tuesday, um, hill sprints Thursday, um, tempo or uh, interval session again on, on Saturday and then long run on Sunday. So yeah. like a m more intensive stuff yeah. um, throughout the week yeah. um, and the runs in between like at four minute pace, which is still not slow here. So that's actually a point that I want to discuss before we go into a quick Q&A. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about this in the last few days, the pace of the of the easy days. Now, I, I think um, uh, there's no, of course there's no wrong and right, it's very mm -hmm. individual, but um, a lot of the top athletes that I've uh, researched, and in particular in Australia, a lot of the good runners... Um, Jack Rayner, Julian Spence, a lot of the top guys over 10k through the marathon, they normally take their easy days quite easy. So they're normally doing 
420 to 4.30 per kilometre, which is around about a seven-minute mile. Mm -hmm. That's on sea level on the, on the flat. These mm -hmm. guys, it's, you know, 28 low, 27 high, 10K or two sort of 10 to 214 marathon. Um, but I have noticed amongst the German top runners, you guys tend to do those, at least not, of course, not all of you, but, uh, you know... Um, I know what you mean. Uh, you know, Hendrik Pfeiffer, um, Julian Pfluger was the same. Uh, also, um, I think Arne Gavius was the same as well. Four minutes per kilometre, which is... I've joined you on a couple of these runs now, four to 4.10, although yesterday we were 3.54 per kilometre for these sort of 15k runs. That's the equivalent on the sea level of going closer to 3.30, 3.40 per kilometre. And that's your... Uh, you know, I think you even said it yourself. It's not your easy day, but it's not your hard day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. is that? I would talk about that. I would say right after a track session or after the tempo session tomorrow uh, on my band, the afternoon run, which is then maybe just eight to ten k, will be very easy. Yeah. But on an easy day in between, um, yeah, it's right. We usually go a lot by feel, meaning. Um, I don't go slow if I don't have to. Yeah. From feeling from from my yeah what my feeling tells me if I if I feel tired like this morning yeah. we started very easy, but if I'm feeling good I'm not um, I'm not hammering those runs but I, I let it go like or let it yeah that not pushing but uh, if I can run like as as yesterday's 350 or 355 um, and feeling good with that um, then I'll do that. Um, it I think it. Hard to explain why I do that. It's yeah. uh, I, I, it seems to be it's, common amongst the German, yeah, yeah. German we, we, athletes. We do yeah. that a lot, actually. Yeah. On sea level, I can uh, even talk more about it because I think um, on an, on an, uh, on sea level, four minute pace is usually my my easy run. Okay. If I am fit and like in full marathon training, four minute um, pace is around 130 or even below heart rate. So it's for me, it's very easy <laughs> to like do that pace. Um, and if I have a normal day in between, it's about 345, 340, and yep. that feels easy too. Okay. Cool. All right, so we're almost at an hour of the recording. Um, we've got a group here, as I said, the Sweat Elite Kenya Running Experience group are here. So um, I'll open up the, the questions and answers. If anyone, I've actually got a couple myself if anyone doesn't have any questions. But does anyone have any questions for Philip while we're, while we're here recording? Uh, I'll ask one. <laughs> if you've got a month before the the key marathon, yep. four to five weeks, what would be the long run or the the, the, the long run with intervals? What what would the because now that you're self coach, what would yep. you prescribe yourself? What would be the session, or maybe you could give two. Um, so you're at that point where you can still do a pretty much close to a maximum effort. I'm talking about a session over 30, 35k, ideally up to 40. What's one that you would prefer, and that even if someone asked you, hey, uh, you know, Philip, what, what, what do you recommend? What would you, what would you say? I can actually recall what I did before Berlin last year. Perfect. Um, I think um, four weeks out, I did uh, five weeks out. I did the 40k. I told you. Yep. The 40k with six by three. Um, four weeks out, I did a 35. Uh, K run, which consisted of 18K at around 3.30 pace, and then 3x5K uh, marathon pace. So 3x5K at around about 15.30? Yeah, the last, the last one was almost 50 minutes, but yeah. uh, a little bit faster. Um, but yeah, basically it's 15.30. Um, then I did a 10K three weeks out in Prague. 
the uh, Run Czech uh, uh, Grand Prix. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and two weeks out of Berlin, I did a, a 20 mile run, um, which consists of uh, 12k at 323 and 20k at race pace 306 wow. on my own. So that was 20 mile in 32k in um, 312. 312. Yeah. 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 Wow. Two weeks out. Yeah. Two weeks out. Some guys tend Some to go closer close. to yeah. the race. Some do it 10 days out or stuff like that. But I would have even thought that's quite close. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I was like, uh, after that, I knew the upcoming 10 days. Uh, two weeks, I, I, I cannot do more to increase my fitness I was very content with the fitness I had uh, yeah. at that point I just did like two or three light workouts right. um, I think one fart leg in, in a rough terrain uh, <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday uh, another 25k fart leg on, uh, on the weekend and usually my, my last session before a, um, before a marathon is um, 10k on Wednesday at marathon pace okay. which actually, usually is a little bit faster because uh, before Berlin I think it was an early morning I started the maybe 3k warm up and then I uh, started my watch just went for it and I had to slow down at right. the 5k turn point because it was uh, in the end it still was 30-30 <laughs> 30-30 yeah. Yeah. And, and it was like easy like, yeah, uh, it was like, yeah. Um, and at that point I was very excited for For Berlin, as yeah. you can uh, imagine, um, unfortunately it didn't work out. Yeah, we were actually asking, we were talking about this as well in the bus the other day on the way back from Eldorado. What the last seven to ten days looks like leading into a race. So I guess my last question, which you more or less answered most of it just then, but we'll go through it before we wrap up this podcast episode, is what does your last ten days look like? So you said two weeks before you did the 32k, 312 per kilometer average, which is 505 to 510 per mile, which is which is uh, blazing fast. So, so, so then, what leading into the race? What would you what would you recommend people do, or, or what, what what do you do? Sorry, it's probably a better question. Yeah, usually yeah. if I um, like doing about 200 kilometers um, in heavy marathon training, yeah. my second to last week is um, I decide a lot by feel, but 140 to 100. Um, 160 max um, 90 miles 100 yeah, miles yeah, yeah. Um, still um, already backing off um, a little bit um, usually I do after that session if I recover well I do on Wednesday with a, in my hometown with a, uh, like a fart leg loop which is a little bit hilly in the, in the forest um, which is measured so I know every every meter there um, I do f uh, four, four laps are like 13.5 kilometers so it's a 20k session with a warm up um, by feel and then I decide how I feel if it's another fart leg on Saturday or Sunday or a tempo session if I want to have a little bit more like to be a little bit more secure about marathon pace I just do 3 by 5 or some, something like that just to feel good at marathon pace um, Last year I did uh, I didn't do that because I was so after that 20 mile run uh, long run I was like don't overdo it yet I just did like uh, 25k with I don't know 20 by uh, 20 times one minute on one minute off just to feel good and then I did the the 10k um, at marathon effort at Wednesday on the Wednesday and, and the last four week days is, before yeah and the last week is really not that much running maybe a last double on Monday yeah. But uh, every other day is just one run. 
Yeah, two times physio usually uh, uh, Tuesday and Thursday, and on Thursday I usually travel to the marathon. Yeah, and then on Friday and Saturday, yeah, usually Friday it's a very busy day, especially in, in Germany with all the press conference, interview, photo yeah. sponsorship stuff. And Saturday usually I um, I don't do anything, just six okay. k in the morning, some strides, and then usually you're good to go. Cool. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Okay, just before we wrap up, we've got two, we've got two questions. Oh yeah, cool. Uh, Michael. Uh, so thanks, thanks for having this interview. Um, having been a wing, week here now, um, there's rumors around the local uh, elite groups um, about some of the top Kenyan athletes prioritizing the marathon majors over Olympics. And for you, being an Olympian and, and striving to get that Olympic standard and, and, and prioritizing that over just basically anything, can you explain how a Kenyan runner could justify prioritizing a marathon major over the Olympics, which they may not ever get a chance to compete in again, given it's every four years. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of easy, actually. Um, it's all about money. Um, and it's easy to talk about money if we have money. Um, I know that because uh, in my former days I didn't have money. Now I'm quite solid um, I, I'm, I'm definitely good I, I'm not um, how do I say I'm not related to racing to earn money I think in my total income it's like 75% from sponsorship deals and stuff mm -hmm. like that and just maybe 20 to 25 by, by running and I still get good money in Germany but uh, for racing um, so with that independency I have it's, it's, it's luxury to like to be able to decide what you want to do and what you don't want to do for me as I told you, like, as a child, Olympics is something very special because it's just every four years, because it's the biggest sports event in the world. Um, and therefore, I, yeah, worship it, like, over everything else. Um, but in this world here, in Kenya, and um, maybe it's because of all the facts you get when, when, when you get in touch with all the runners here like last year it was for me it was a very still 30 years old uh, a very inspiring time uh, and a very humbling time uh, to see how they can change their life with even for, for, for me like small races in Germany when they can uh, are able to go to Germany and, and win some some three or four hundred euros of prize money it, it changes their life yeah. so and I know a lot of those guys because they are pacemakers for me um, this they they need money to support their family and, and don't mean their wife and kids but also their like other relatives yeah. um, and therefore I kind of understand okay. why they, why some of them prioritize um, any race where they can earn money over the Olympics um, I think not everyone is thinking like that because Elliot is a smart guy and he's all, he's has also already an, uh, he's already a millionaire now yeah, so yeah. that's different priority. That's a different priority would you say that it's uh, a short term goal to win money at a marathon major whereas for you the breakthrough was Rio you said that sponsorships you got through Rio through running the Rio marathon would the Kenyans be able to do sort of the same thing had they had they prioritized Rio or right now Tokyo definitely yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. Uh, as you said, it's a, it's a long-term approach. Uh, if you seek your chance, like at Olympics mm -hmm. or Worlds, um, it's a platform uh, where if you perform well, it is able to change your uh, life way more impactful than just going for uh, every, every maybe smaller race where you can earn money. Um, but, yeah... I don't judge them. Um, I, I kind of, I kind of know why some of them are doing that, um, and yeah, as you said, also with Elliot, it's he has earned a lot of money, so he's on a on a different level to have the luxury to, to decide what he want to do or, or can do. Thank you very much. Good question, Michael. Okay, Pedro. Okay, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing your ex your experience with us. Um, I would like to know. Given that high volume of training, um, what are your um, key points in recovery? And also, given your background history in, with all the injuries you had, do you do any specific injury prevention exercises? Um, my my uh, mo most important lesson I learned the hard way, actually, <laughs> is, is, is pretty basic. It's to listen to your body. When I was young, I was more like, yeah, pain is just in your head. You just have to push through, which is pretty dumb because you can do that for a while, but at some point something breaks or tears or yeah, it's 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 very yeah, short-lived if you if you uh, go with that. Um, so yeah, train hard and you have to get a feeling. What pain do you have? I mean, I don't run 200 kilometers or more and feel like great every day and have no like muscle pain or stuff like that. But you have to be very sensitive if something of those maybe muscle pain um, is developing into something serious. So um, as a professional runner, I have the opportunity like here to, to get some massage every second day, which is well needed uh, with that mileage. Um, And also, um, all that, 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 how do I say, small parts like stretching, like rolling, self-rolling, um, like um, strength training. I don't do that much strength training here because, um, I, as I told, uh, I, I find the, the terrain is very demanding. Um, and I don't think you need a lot more of that here. But uh, when I'm at home and uh, there, most of my routes are... Um, more, more like been besides the river and stuff like that. Um, I do two, yeah, pretty intensive um, core training sessions with a personal trainer in um, in my hometown for about yeah. It's usually it's about an hour or a little bit more, um, which helps to like prepare your body for that pounding of uh, 200k of mileage. Great answer. Next question comes from Gary from Australia. We'll just pass the mic down. Hi, Philip. Thank you very much. You've spoken a lot about all the different forms of training, but one thing you haven't mentioned is mental training. So what role does that play in your, in your preparation and also the role of the, men, the mind whilst you're running? Um, good question. Um, actually, I don't have a, a mental trainer, um, but uh, it's not that I don't think it's um, helpful. Um, It's, um, I think it's pretty, 
pretty accepted in, in, the, in the professional sports uh, world now. Um, but I try to train my mind a lot by running um, on my own, actually, uh, in, in Germany. Um, I used to have a, a pretty strong group of guys, which is um, very helpful if you do hard track sessions. But um, especially in marathon running, there might be some phases in a race where you don't have your pacemakers with you anymore or a group with you anymore and you have to learn how to um, cope with that loneliness of a distance runner like just to hang on and push push on your own so there's one, one way to do that yeah that's on you you have to learn it on your own um, I do usually my hard long runs um, all on my own I have someone on usually on a bike for just for fluids but he doesn't like uh, we don't talk he's just uh, just there to to prepare uh, my drinking uh, strategy um, but there's one key thing um, which I think is interesting maybe I don't listen to music ever mm -hmm. I like music a lot I, I listen to music the, the whole day but not during running because I have it's kind of um, in, in a race I don't have it too um, it makes easier to push through like um, hard workouts or like it motivates you it, it, uh, and everything but um, you have to learn with the thoughts in your head and feeling bad with the bad feelings to, to, to cope with that uh, on your own and therefore I never run with music actually um, especially on also on easy days I, I think easy days are very boring usually if you run on your own but um, Yeah, you have to, to, to get used to it, um, to get uh, a strong mind, uh, which helps, especially in the marathon, to, to dig deep. That's a good answer. Do you know David Goggins, the uh, ex-Navy SEAL? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, he talks about that quite a lot, actually. Oh, really? About, well, if you have a competition and you are not going to have the stimulus in the competition, like music, you should train and get used to being bored in training he's yeah. he's a big advocate of that and i and i've always thought that's very true so cool do we have any some fantastic questions there but we've uh, we've gone an hour 10 which is a little bit longer than usual do we have any more questions no cool all right thanks for listening in so uh, i guess the easiest way to uh, follow you is through uh, instagram or facebook is that correct definitely yeah yeah instagram you're uh, you're, you're quite uh motivating and inspiring on there I, I find for sure and you're at uh, philip.flieger so it's p-h-i-l-i-p-p dot p-f-l-i-e-g-e-r you'll be able to find him through the Sweat Elite Instagram page when we post about this podcast episode um, anyway um, thanks so much for joining and all the best in the lead up to uh, the next marathon which is I'm sorry it's in April it's uh, it's uh, the Hamburg Marathon Hamburg, yep. in, um, and then hopefully you qualify for Tokyo yeah 19th of April cool. thanks for having me my pleasure man too easy thanks guys